following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. We are in the Gospel of Luke. All right, Luke is a physician, a Greek. Uh, he writes from that perspective. Uh, we have been in this, this gospel for quite some time. We're in the ch- chapter 18, picking up in verse 35. Uh, we're going to go through the end of the chapter, which is 43. And uh, for some, this might be familiar, others not. I, I'm going to read the text so that we kind of have uh, kind of a fresh perspective on this moment. Uh, but I've titled this sermon, Open My Eyes, Lord. And, uh, and, you know, you might think of an event, uh, a historical event that happened in the life of ministry, life and ministry of Jesus, you know, almost 2,000 years ago as being something that is uh, only relevant to its time frame and context. But I'm going to promise you that this morning has great, great relevancy for you and I. Um, and I believe even more profound for us uh, because of the cross and the empty tomb and the pouring out at Pentecost of God's glorious spirit to, to seal our hearts and uh, to guarantee us an eternal promise, to guarantee us uh, his presence in the future. Um, I, I'll ask a question on the front side of this. Um, have your spiritual eyes been opened? Do, do, you, uh, do you see things from a different vantage point since you've come to know Christ? Has his light, uh, you know, if I'll, I'll use this in very practical terms. If you walk in the room and it's pitch black, um, are there things that you're unaware of? Are there obstacles? Are there, are there issues and problems that could transpire like because there's no light, right? But the moment that light is turned on, in increasing measure, um, we, we become aware, right, of like of what's in the room, so to speak. Uh, what's in our world, uh, the, the difference between right and wrong becomes far more clear and polarized. Um, you know, these things, you know, it's, a, it's an incredible gift that God has given us that he has opened our eyes, uh, firstly, first to his son, um, to our savior and our, sancti- our salvation, and, uh, but also to truth and righteousness and holiness and purity and hope, living hope, Right, he's uh, he's opened our eyes to to the wonder of the body of Christ and the potentials and all that he has for you, being revealed, you know, in time. And yet, what's so good that we hear in the scriptures is like it's it's only the beginning. You know, we live in a world of di- diminishing effect, but like when it comes to God, you know, outwardly we're wasting away, but inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Second Corinthians four sixteen says so. Like what we have to understand is that with God, like things are only moving towards better, even though current context is in decay and, and, uh, and those things. We, we have to understand that, that when it comes to our, our spiritual blindness, we're actually being given further sight because we're, we're starting to see him more clearly. And the promise is that when we see him face to face, we will know as we're fully known that we'll be perfected and totally glorified in that moment. And so that's our future hope, you know, that, uh, that, that our, the, the scales have fallen off, but there's a, there's a further degree of, of liberty and, and, and spiritual sight that comes. And, and the, the, the ultimate benefit, please don't miss, the ultimate benefit is we get to see him 
for who he is. And that's really what changes us and brings more clarity or sight. Um, but it, it does help us also, and that's, that's a hard part of the process, to, to see the decay, the darkness, the, the, and the, deline- you know, the distinction that's there. So uh, pick up with you. Hopefully you've already gotten in your Bibles and you're at Luke 18, verse 35. That's where we'll pick up. Uh, we'll move through the, the, the balance of this chapter and uh, look at this historical event in the life and ministry of Jesus. They're going to Jericho. This is not the Jericho that we remember with Joshua. Uh, it's literally about a mile from there. This is the new Jericho that, uh, that was built um, because they, you know, that was to, to never be rebuilt, if you remember what God said. Um, and so, um, but, but, but in, in, in the course of Jesus' life and ministry and as he makes his way to Jerusalem, um, uh, along the way, he's here in Jericho. All right, uh, picking up verse 35. As he, Jesus, drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more. Did you hear that? He cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, him being Jesus asked, who we'll find out to be Bartimaeus. He asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Okay, so a little bit of backdrop on this. Many of you remember in in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah um, is brought into the the throne room of God in this vision and uh, he's immediately aware of his sinful state. He's immediately aware uh, that that he and all of his people, he says, woe is me, I am ruined. I'm a a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips and I have seen the God Almighty. and, and, uh, And then God in his mercy, which is a picture of Christ's redemption, atones him uh, through a coal uh, on the altar and is brought to his lips. And, and, uh, and in, after this moment, um, there's this conversation that's going on uh, with God in, in the Trinity. And, and he said, you know, who, who shall we send? And, and, and Isaiah starts jumping in my mind's eyes, jumping up and down, me, 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 like send me, like uh, I'm ready for this calling. And had no idea what it was that he was going to be commissioned to state to the nation of Israel. And if you read what he's told, he's going to say, because of their, their, their coldness, their stiff-neckedness, their unrepentance, because of their rejection of God, and they turn their back on him, now Isaiah is told, sure, we'll send you. This is what you tell them, that though you have eyes, you will not see. Though you have ears, you will not hear. Though you have hearts, you, you will not perceive. Like it's, it's this really sad moment where they're, there's, there's going to be kind of a, uh, you know, hardness poured out on them because of, their, because of their hardness and their rejection of God. And yet, 
we pick up in verse 30, or chapter 35 of Isaiah and we see these messianic promises that come forth. These, these beautiful promises to a nation of Israel that is now experiencing that, that, uh, that prophetic prophecy of Isaiah. And, uh, and in the midst of that, he is talking about setting captives free. But listen to what it says. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the depth of the deaf unstopped. Right? And so you can imagine from, I mean, this is, this is over 700 years before this moment we're, we're describing, discussing this morning. You know, the hunger, the hope uh, that this would have, especially for someone that, keep in mind, this, this guy who we'll come to know as Bartimaeus, like, it says, restore my sight. So he saw at some point in his life. And can you imagine, like, his, his desire for, for healing? I mean, it's so important that we put ourselves in his shoes. Like, he, he is so hungry for hope in this circumstance. And the hope that he has is, is, is rooted in the promises of God. And, and, and the Messiah is the one that's coming to bring this to fruition. And, uh, and he is so ambitious for these things. Jesus said, in order to kind of point to himself as Messiah, he said in the midst of his own town or, 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 or context, he says this in Luke 4, 18, he says, and you remember this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And so Jesus declared that I am Isaiah's prophetic Messiah. I am the one that, I mean, he, he never, he, he doesn't, I mean, in our eyes, we don't see how like blatant it is, but in a Jewish context with with an understanding of God's word, he is so bold in his presentation of his messianic mission. And, uh, and he declares that. And, and we know that that wasn't received very well, was it? Because he was claiming to be, in, in his humble state, in his humble origins, he was saying, hey, Emmanuel is here. And, uh, and, and they tried to kill him, by the way, for, for that statement. Um, but... Surely spiritual blindness was the problem. Surely that was the, the greater issue here in this culture. How many people actually recognized Jesus and were in awe of, I mean, we can speculate, I mean, Mary, I mean, Mary the, the sister of Martha, seems to throw herself at his feet and have this, this degree of worship that seems so appropriate for, for her understanding, and yet that would have, you know, still not been uh, the, the type of reception that he is worthy of, uh, yet we're so challenged by, you know, but it was, people didn't see him for who he was. If they did, what could, what would be the ideal response? What would be their reaction? Some came with, 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 with mixed motives, but, and, and he would, he would discern those things, whether they were looking to make him king so their bellies would be filled or whatever, but, but like, here we see someone that Jesus says has a sincere faith and yet, let's not, let's not miss this moment, and yet he has no eyes. He's not, he's, not, he's not drawing those conclusions based on garb, superficiality, appearances. 
Like, his, his hope is rooted in, the, in faith in God, and Jesus knows it and declares it. Right? So let's... Um, Let's, so first of all, we need to understand that surely spiritual blindness was the problem because if we were to acknowledge Jesus for who he is and what he's capable of and what he's come to bring and what he's, in this context, going to do as promised by God, man, he, he deserved a whole different set of, uh, of ce- you know, celebration and worship and, than, than what he received. But they were blind to who was in their midst. And this was an exception when it comes to Mr as we come to know Bartimaeus. What they were desperate to see truly was him. It seems that the blind had better vision. The son of David was his only hope in those days. You know, we have technology now and it's almost to our detriment because we, we often put our confidence and trust in it rather than him. Right? We, we don't face b- blindness. There are other things. There's many diseases. The things that, that, that technology has kind of, and, and thank God for the wisdom for some of those things. But, but the, the sad part about it is we, we can, you know, I mean, Hezekiah was rebuked by God for, he says, putting, putting his confidence in physicians. And thank God for, for physicians. You know, they're instruments, but, but they're not the healer. They're not our hope. They're, 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 not, they're, they're not the answer, right? And, and where, where's our faith? Like, what is our faith? Who is our faith in when we face? Any, anybody face some pretty difficult and dire circumstances that, that you know, that sometimes we, we look to science or technology to, to be an answer, but, but truly, and, and I'm, not, I'm not discounting those they, they can be channels and instruments and conduits of God's grace and mercy, but the power and the intention and the love and the heart, and, and uh, it's him. It's him, right? And so I, I want us to, uh, as you look at the first verse here, verse 35, it says, as, as he drew near to Jerusalem, or Jericho, excuse me, uh, a blind man, and, and, and Luke, we only know him, Luke uh, only dis- discerns him as the blind man. But when we go back to Matthew and Mark, we, we find out his name, which is so sweet because the annals of history are uh, benefit from those that, it's interesting that names are given to us that, that we talk about thousands of years later as a legacy of their faith. It seems, you know, I, I, the first person I think about is, is Mary. And it's, you know, when they're, they're rebuking her for wasting the perfume on Jesus's feet and her hair, you know, and he says, you know, back off, man. I don't think that's what he said. But like, but he, he said, you know, he said, look, she, she, she will be talked about forever for anointing my body, uh, preparing my body for burial. Like, like so she, her, she, her name carries into the annals of history because of her, her faith and how that faith was demonstrated in worship. But the blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. So, Guys, I, I, be students of the word. Ask questions of God's word. Get, put yourself in the context. You know, in, in, like, go through it several times and, 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 uh, and participate in the, in the, the narrative with, um, with, different character, with different individuals, right? Um, what was he begging for? I mean, if it says he was begging, what is he begging for? Right? Probably for means, right? Because 
in, in, in this context, you know, th there was no technology. F I mean, that's what they were, they, th that's what they were relegated to. That's what, they, that's what they had to do to survive. And he's not alone. We see from the other two Gospels, he's not alone. But, but Luke, like the Holy Spirit, determines to tell us the story of Bartimaeus here. And so in Mark, it says this. And they came to Jericho, and as they were leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Now, um, you know, just, just a fun little tidbit. Anytime you see bar, like bar mitzvah, bar, bar mitzvah means son of the covenant. Bar, you know, um, Peter's son. Anytime they're talking about the, the son of, they'll say bar Jonah. Um, you know, so... So that, this, that's why we say Timaeus here, he's bar Timaeus. It means that he is, he's the son of Timaeus, right? And, uh, and, and, and maybe even that's his name, but that's what they, they would have referred to him as. Um, are we asking Jesus? This is, you know, I, when I prepare for, you know, I, I love just meditating and listening for what it is, like what are we supposed to know here? Are we asking Jesus for what we really need? You know, like, I love that. Here he is begging, and it's probably a conditional behavior for money, for means. And, but that's not what he asked Jesus for. Right? And why? Because only Jesus can do what he's desperate to be done. Like, like, you know, that, that there's a distinct difference between what he, what he asks of man and what he asks of God. In verse 36 through 38, it says, And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired, What does this mean? What does this meant? Um, like, of course, he's kind of, oftentimes we think that people that have lost one sensory kind of develop or amplified abilities in others. And, and, but, but it doesn't take all of that to, to kind of figure out that there's, there's a great crowd here and something's happening. He can hear it, you know, and, and what's going on is basically what he's trying to figure out. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, it seems like in the text that there's this immediate cry, <gasps> Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Like he makes an immediate connection. He makes an immediate uh, profession of faith because, you know, maybe to our Western ears and our 20, 23 years, we don't get it. But what he's saying is Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah, the promised son of David, like have like, who do you ask to have mercy on you, right? And like, he is making this massive statement. And if we don't really understand like the, 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 the vigor, the zeal, the, the, the tenacity, the resolve, the, the fortitude that is being expressed in his, his, his profession of faith here, like, and Jesus authenticates it, calls it true faith and and, and the means to his healing. And, and what we understand here in this moment is that this, this blind guy, like there's, there's people, and I, I, I draw this conclusion, like these people only see Jesus of Nazareth. He sees without sight the son of David. The, the promised one that can rescue him from his blindness. 
And he cries that out in an unashamed, undeterred manner. So why does he call him son of David? Well, to him, the hope of heaven is here. This is, this is his proclamation. This is his desire. He, he's excited. You've you got to believe he's heard. He's heard the good news, right? Messiah's come. He's here. Like, and and, and it, there's conviction on his part. There's sincerity in his heart. Otherwise, Jesus would not affirm that. This was a true statement of faith. And let's not forget, he's blind. And it, it, it often seems, it seems like, like he has better vision than they do, right? They, they, they're, seeing, they're seeing young, young, young Yeshua, Joseph's boy from Nazareth. Oh, he sees without eyes so much more. Why does he ask for mercy? You know, probably the better question is, who does he ask for mercy? Because that really points to kind of what, you know, where all this is coming from in his heart. Like, he's acknowledging Jesus' divine nature here in his statement. And, and it's interesting as we go on in the text, there's some nuance here. And again, I encourage you, don't miss out on details. They're so valuable because they unpack other portions of Scripture which illuminates kind of principles for us. And in verse 39 it says, and those who were, what does it say? In front. So, you know, right away we go, okay, this, this guy was kind of lost to the front Right, he he's kind of somewhere in behind the crowd, and he's you know he's blind. It's a kind of a chaotic moment, um, and he's crying out for mercy. Um, Jesus has passed by, and the people that are in front of him do what? Rebuke him, telling him to be silent. Now, look, most people, and I've heard this for decades. Most people assume like, man. Stay quiet. Who are you? You're a sinner, right? Look, look at what you, 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 look at the consequences that you're facing. You used to see, but now you don't. Obviously, Job's friends, right? Obviously, you're a sinner. Like, be quiet. I don't think that's the case because there's too many other moments in Scripture that speak to this same type of moment. I'll give you some examples. Back in Luke, we looked at this a, wh- a while ago. You know, the, the children were being brought to Jesus. Brought to Jesus. And uh, the disciples start rebuking those that are bringing the children to Jesus. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 boys, hey, let the children come unto me, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He rebukes them. Like, and, but there's a rebuke of the crowd that Jesus is way too important for children. Isn't that what they're saying? Like, they don't have the status to to be around you know, this great rabbi or whatever their perception was. But I think the most like telling moment is yet to come. You remember, Jesus is riding on a donkey and they're throwing palm branches and coats in the street and he is, he's riding in and he, he's orchestrated this. He's prophesied it himself and he's orchestrating the entrance of the Messiah, the king coming into his kingdom and... Uh, at least announcing himself in that way. And, uh, and what do the Pharisees say? Tell your disciples to shut their mouths. How dare they say? Rebuking them. Like, how could you call a man the son of... Like, how could you call him? And that's what they're saying. Like, 
Jesus of Nazareth passing through and you're calling him you're calling him Messiah, the son of David. Uh, you know, like, and maybe it's a mix of that, but at least we have to put that in the equation. Because in every other case where there, people are rebuking a, 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 a profound outcry in the streets, in the midst of a crowd or procession, every other time that that's the case and they're rebuked, it's because that those folks are declaring him Messiah and someone is saying, whoa, 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 don't go that far. Don't, don't give him that title. He, by, by all means, he can't. And here we have a blind, desperate, ready for God's promises to be realized in his healing that puts his faith, and God knows it, Jesus sees it, and without sight, he's declaring, Son of David, have mercy on me. And they're telling him, Close your mouth. What does he do? What does he do when they told him to be silent? This is one of the major points, I believe, in this text. But he cried out all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. Guys, look. Is there ever occasions where we will declare from the rooftops? Hopefully we're not putting a basket over our lamp, right? Over our light. Like, like is there moments where we're declaring from the, from the housetop that Jesus is Lord, He's Messiah. He's king. He's come. He's coming back, right? He's good. He's faithful. He's rescued me. He's my savior. He's my king. He's my Lord, right? And is, is, there, not, is, is there not voices out there with, that, that would say silence? You don't think the enemy is, finds instruments to say, quiet that down. I don't want that heard in the streets. And my question is, are we going to follow the example of this faithful, filled, glorious believer in Christ. I love what it says here, right? And he cried out all the more. Look, he wasn't saying, sinner, you're, you're, he was saying, he was just giving Jesus the accolades, the, 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 he was just declaring his name. And in, in relationship to his desperation and his desire, knowing, confident that he was the answer to his problem. Has Jesus answered your problems? Has he, has he ministered to your greatest needs? Has he saved, has he given you sight beyond the, you know, Bartimaeus' sight was going to fail him again in this physical body. But you know that the spiritual sight that God has given you is, as I mentioned earlier, is just going to get better as we see him more clearly Right, which is promised to us face to face. And yet, are we all the more ready to declare and cry? And I'm going to tell you, this is what's going to be required. This is what's going to be necessary. In the days that we are facing and those to come, it's, it, we, we, he just wants us to be bold in our declaration that he's Lord. He's king. Because, listen, He's already conquered the cross. He's already been the suffering servant. He's the glorified king. He's already seated at the right hand of the Father. He deserves that type of, like that's who he is now. Let's not treat him as, he, as a baby in the manger or, 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 or our savior on the cross. Though we, we are, He's the lamb who was slain, but he is risen. 
and risen indeed, and he is a glorified king. He's coming back for his bride, and he deserves our, our accolades and, our, and, our, and, our, and the more. Cry out, more, Jesus, son of David. Because are we not, are we not grateful for what he's already done and, and fully aware and convinced that there's more to come? Right? So should, it, should, should we not like dwarf what, what is being, what is being like demonstrated here in just a simple physical, and I'm not saying it's simple because how, I, I mean, we don't know. I mean, years, decades maybe, I don't know. But he knew what it was like to see and lost and, and was desperate for that. But we're talking about eternity that our, our blindness has been relieved. And do we know, the, do we think about the implications of the fact that we have sight, that we have, we have light in our seeing. We've been, given, we've been given sight through Christ. By his stripes, we've been healed. Healed. Oh, and he is undeterred. Why did they rebuke him? For, for reasons I mentioned. Jesus said, even the rocks will cry out to those who would rebuke this profession in days to come, right? Even the rocks will cry out while well, he joined the chorus of creation right, in saying, no, I will not be silent. This is the king of kings. He's, he is Messiah. He's here, and I'm, I want the world to know it. And I need him. I need him desperately. What a great example of someone realizing their need and in bold desperation cries out to Jesus. Bold desperation. Do you share his faith? This morning, do you share his faith? Do you share his, his proclamation? Do, do, you, do, do you believe this morning that Jesus is Lord? That he's not only the, the come Messiah, but he is the risen king? Is that your profession this morning? Do, do the streets know it? Do your neighbors know it? Do your coworkers know it? Do they know do they know how much you love him? Do they, do, do you, do they know how, mu- how dependent you are on him and that he's not a part of your life, that he is your life? Have you cried out to Jesus for mercy lately in an undeterred, unashamed way that, that just declares that only you can rescue me? You are the source of my salvation unashamed, undeterred, trusting that he is the answer to your problem. Look, we, we all have problems. Some, somehow that's comforting. We all got a cross to bear. We got stuff going on. Anybody got stuff going on? Right? Needs? Like, but, but are we crying out for mercy to the only one that is, listen, it's not that he's, he's not some just distant, powerful king, right? Like he's, he's close, and he's benevolent beyond our, beyond our imagination, and he loves you. He loves you, right? And, and, and we can trust in his promises. Like, in, do, you, do, do we understand that Bartimaeus was literally making a statement of faith in the promises of God? God, you're going to send a healer. You're going, I believe Mary had the same, I think she understood. We see it in her magnificent that like she had this, this deep discipleship, this understanding that, that of, of how blessed she was. But, 
but she also knew, I believe she knew Isaiah 7, 14. I, mean, I, believe, I believe she knew her, her origins and, and the possibilities and she embraced that promise of God. That, that had to be the, the confirming and the assuring uh, aspect of, of her surrender. God, you promised. I am the Lord's servant. Bartimaeus is in this moment going, I am standing on the word of God and, and he's walking through my streets. No amount of begging others was going to resolve his need. And why do I say that? To say this, are, you, are we asking man for what only God can do? I think, I think that's very relevant to this moment. Like he, he abandoned his cup for monetary purpose. He, and he, he fully gave himself to ask the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Emmanuel himself, for the rescue that he had promised. And so we have to ask ourselves these questions. Do you share his faith? Have you cried out to Jesus for mercy lately? Are we asking man for what only God can do? And then the passage finishes here, and I think that it, it, this is the climax. This is, and, and I want you to know, with, uh, with Rob's permission, we, we prayed through and talked through this in putting the service together this morning. You might have been surprised, maybe not, and that's good, that the sermon was a little bit on the front side of this morning's service. That's intentional. Um, because, uh, you know, it's my heart's desire that we wouldn't just know his word, but we'd live it. That, in fact, what he teaches us is not meant to be known, it's meant to be done. It's meant to be obeyed. And, uh, and, and so it's, I want us to be practical. Every time we, we, we look at a principle, and some of those principles are difficult because, you know, it's, it's repentant. It's, it's eternal work. It's, uh, you know, but, but it requires a, a heart that says, I'm, play, I'm clay in the potter's hand. And, and so we're going to have a practical expression this morning, but this is the text that really helps or lends to that pursuit. So listen as we read these last four verses, 40, 41, 42, and 43, and it begins like this. After he says the second time, all the more, son of David, have mercy on me in this plead for healing and for, for rescue, it says, and Jesus stopped. God paused for him. He stopped. In the midst of a mission to rescue the world, think about this. He cries out for mercy. One man whom God loves and is, you know, without what? God, it's impossible to please God. Without faith. This cry of faith stops Jesus in his tracks. God stops and commands, it says, that he be brought to him. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he, Jesus, asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord. Do you know that's the name that God gave to Moses for himself going forward? He doesn't call him master. He doesn't call him, he calls him El Shaddai. He says, Lord, let my, or let me recover my sight. And look, you don't ask, you don't ask something like that unless you believe Jesus can do it. 
He asked for what he believed Jesus alone could do. Have you done that? With confidence. And he didn't back down. Like, think about the setting. There's a lot of people here, like, you know, that have already rebuked him and corrected him for his, for his beautiful statement of faith. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. Guys, do we know that our faith in him heals us? Do you know that the reason that you are saved, healed by his stripes is because of Christ's cross and his victory over it? He conquered sin and death so that it could be yours and you could experience the implications of all of his rescue. And he wants that for us. He's purchased that. He, 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 he did that for us. That's what, to demonstrate the Father's love. Verse 43 says, and immediately, don't you love that? And immediately he recovered his sight. Now, just, just be a fly on the wall in the moment there. Like, just, just for a moment, like, wow. That's awesome. Right? That's tremendous. Like, immediately his sight is restored. I went to uh, the, the season three of, of Chosen has a, a moment where Shula gets her eyes back. I don't know if you've seen that yet. And if I just spoil it, I'm sorry. But, but like, it's so sweet. It's so, you know, and her sight is also restored. She says 10 years. And again, these two are fictional characters, but, but like we see this beautiful moment where Jesus is healing this, and it's, 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 it's wonderful. It's five minutes and 12 seconds. If you get a chance today, take a peek. It's really, really sweet. But it just helps us to internalize this even more in a practical way. Like, can you imagine? Like, I, I don't think, I think that the streets might have changed their tune in this moment. And really what Jesus came to do was already done. He had opened the eyes of the blind. Do you see what I'm saying? Like his, his spiritual eyes were open first before his physical eyes. And, and isn't that how it works? Like our, when God opens our spiritual eyes and we re- respond in repentance and confession and, and adoration and love and surrender, like we experience the salvation of Jesus Christ by faith. And it's not, it's not faith in what we want, it's faith in Him. Him. Like we're putting our hope and confidence and trust and declaring that He is who He says He is. Like Jesus' name. Right? So immediately He recovered His sight and followed Him. Immediately He recovered His sight and followed Him. Jesus wanted to do the same thing for the ruler, by the way. But He didn't trust Him. He revealed the very thing he wanted to heal. And the ruler walks away sad, says because he was extremely rich. And that's what he had put his trust in. So it says, and he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. Now, guys, just for a moment here, because I think our imagination can be better than, than any illustration I could possibly give. So I'm going to kind of give us a moment to kind of use our imaginations. Um, how do you think that looked when he glorified God? Anybody want to help us kind of paint that picture? What did it look like? Can you imagine? He got his sight back immediately in the midst of all of this. Mary Beth, what, what, what would it look like? Dancing, right? And impromptu, right? It's like, you know, your, your favorite team scored, you know, like walk-off home run. Way to go, Randy. Like, I, I don't know, like amazing, like whatever. But like, it's exciting, right? But, but what, what do you envision in your mind was the response for him 
What, what does glorifying God mean? Like, he didn't know whether to get on his knees or, or jump or, or sing. He probably did all of them at the same time. It probably sounded weird. You know, I don't know, but he didn't care, right? Like, there was no, there was no awareness of, there was no self-awareness about what others might think. He didn't care. He was, he was healed. And guys, can I ask you a question? Haven't you been healed in a more significant way? Haven't your eyes been, been opened in a more eternal, impactful way? Like, and, and does God get this type of glory? And, and I'm not meant to bring guilt or shame. I just, what I'm saying is, is just to remind us all oh, that he, he deserves dancing in the streets and singing songs we don't even know and like hopping up and down and looking ridiculous like, you know, and don't care because this is, this is our God and this is what he's done for us, right? And that's got to be true and sincere in your own disposition. For some of you going, hey, hey. but like, what would it look like if you lost your sight and we're given your sight back, and when we understand the implications of, of spiritual blindness, and we understand the blessing of spiritual sight, and what we've been given in Christ, and what's yet to come, like, if we believe it, if we are confident in his promises that are yet realized, and the ones that have already been imputed, like, do we not walk by faith and not by sight? Do we not celebrate in a manner that, and isn't, is that any, any kind of testimony? Do you think that had any impact on those around him? Do you think that that type of, 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 of just honor and celebration and, 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 and warranted gratitude has an impact? I believe significantly. And so it says, but glorifying God and then I love this. It's kind of like, I believe that that's a contagious moment. I believe it's a contagious thing. Um, and, and, and don't we want Christ to be contagious to our culture? Don't we, aren't we desperate for that type of change? And isn't it critical that, that we are a catalyst in that? Isn't that the very thing that he's put his spirit in us to do? And that is, that, that, the, 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 the catalyst in that is, is our awareness. Oh, Holy Spirit, please bring to mind the, the fullness of what has been done for us in Christ. Oh, that we would glorify God. And it goes on to say, and all the people, when they saw it, right, they gave praise to God. And you know why you over, over and over again see, this is so sweet. You know why over and over again you see that Jesus does something and, you know, you would think in our current understanding, like, they're going to be like, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus. But somehow in the manner in which he does that, the Father gets the glory. And you know why? Because in a Jewish context, you never give praise that is due God to man. Right? They knew not to praise man. And you know what? That pleased Jesus because that's exactly what he told us to do. Let your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds and that God gets the glory. Right? John just shared that with us. That God gets the glory. And that's exactly what Jesus does in this, in this beautiful moment. So I have some questions to ponder. And then our worship team is going to come. And we're going to sing out the rest of this service. And here's the application. Let's glorify God. 
in this moment of being reminded of all that he's done for us in Christ, that our spiritual eyes have been opened, that, that we are recipients of, of, of a healing that is eternal, right? And, and I asked you this morning, do you believe it? Do you know what God has done for you in Christ? Are you, are you rock solid, rooted in the, in the truth that what Jesus promised is coming to fruition and that gives you hope, enduring hope, living hope, persevering hope? Knowing that God is good and he's so worthy of our unashamed, undeterred worship. And trust me, if we can't do that here, <laughs> it ain't happening out there, right? Like, it's, like this, is, this, is, this is where we celebrate together and we affirm the, and God inhabits the what? The praises of his people. Do you know that there is actually victory and praise? We see that. Biblically, in the Old Testament, here's some questions for you. Why did Jesus ask him what he wanted? Did you ever think that when we were reading through it? Why does he do that? Did Jesus know what he needed? We have not because we ask not. You know, I, you know what I believe? It's, it's a profession of faith in itself. Son of David, have mercy on me. He is tell, he's declaring his identity and what he's capable of. Right? He, he, he's also saying you're my hope, you're my answer, you're my need. We're, 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 it's a prayer, it's a petition of God for healing. Was it? Now, I, I want to ask some very important questions here to, to really tweak a little bit what we think about healing. So, was it his asking that healed him? So, let me ask you, is it prayer that heals us? Because that's what he was doing. When man talks to God, that's prayer, right? So was it his asking that healed him? No. Was it his desperation that healed him? Now, these are catalytic, right? These are necessary. These are, these are part of the, but it's not, it's not the healing component. Like, it's not what Jesus affirms as what brings healing, right? And, and please understand, it's not faith in what we want. It's faith in him, like his heart, his power, his intention, his promises, his word, right? Or was it his perseverance that healed him? Jesus doesn't affirm any of those things. Jesus says to him, what? Your faith has healed you. What's the point? The point is his faith in Jesus is what healed him. Worship team, would you come please? Um, I want to ask this morning, are you desperate for healing? And listen, physical healing for sure, those things, God knows, can be so distracting and so debilitating and so painful. No, Fred? <laughs> Bless your heart. But, but man, do, you, do we believe this morning that spiritual healing is, is, is way more necessary and significant and lasting and eternal and has implications on every other aspect, mental, physical, emotional, like all of that? starts with the healing that Christ has purchased for us because wh what does it mean? We're back in his presence. And in his presence is, draw up the list. <laughs> it's all there, right? That, that's where it all, healing comes from him and our faith and confidence in him. So as we close our time together, you know, what we want to finish with this morning is just some songs that give us an opportunity to declare his praises. To, to stand unashamed, undeterred, you know, just thankful and grateful.
for the, for the healing that he's done for us. Because like, let's never get, let's never get tired of doing that. Let's never, let's never get, let's never let that get old. Let, let's always be reminded that, that our lives should be living sacrifices and our heart's anthem should be his praises. For out of the mouth, the heart speaks. Let that be his, a chorus of praise. When you speak, right? That's what Paul said in hymns and songs and spirituals. Like, why? Because that's what our voice, like, is most needed for, right? To return praise to him. Let's stand. Um, and Father, help us now in this moment to be reminded of what you've done for us in Christ, that our, uh, the scales have fallen from our eyes and that we've been liberated to joyful obedience, to we've been, we've been brought back into your presence, adopted, reconciled, redeemed, ransomed, that we are yours and our eyes have been opened. Lord, please help us to give you the praise in the streets to declare your name, to glorify you in ways that is contagious, that would cause other people to praise our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.